electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the tech wreck, higher rates, and whether the stock market is getting it all wrong. We discuss and debate with our investment committee this hour. Joining me today, Kerry Firestone is the CEO of Arias Asset Management, John Najarian, Jim Labenthal here along with Josh Brown. I'm going to take you to the wall first and foremost, show you where the markets are trading. Yes, the Dow hits another new high today. It's those tech stocks, though, that remain under big time pressure. Take a look at rates. The 10-year at 173. It's the high. It was higher than that. It's the highest level in more than a year. So the trend continues. 10-year moves up. Tech stocks move down. John Dejarian, you're getting pretty concerned from, from what I read in our notes about where rates are and where you think they may go and what the reaction in the market's going to be. Yeah, Scott. Um, obviously, this is great for banks. Um, it is not great for a lot of other stocks. Uh, exactly how far they go down will depend a lot on how fast we go up in terms of those yields, Scott. So, um, you know, I'm looking around at uh, a lot of the banks that I own and I'm viewing those as partly a hedge. In other words, I've been building bigger positions in those banks because they if, if even if rates top out at some level, Scott, like Tepper talked about last week, like I was hoping for, um, even if they top out at a level, that curve is still nice and steep for the banks. Um, on the other hand, if we just keep marching to the upside, 175 plus today was the yield briefly in the 10-year. Um, if, if all of a sudden in a week, Scott, we're at 185 and things like that, I think the market gets really nervous and then we'll really test the mettle of those that think that, oh yeah, this will be an easy dip to buy. I don't think it will be. Yeah, you know, Jim, this is not really the, the market reaction that, that some we're, we're looking for, in, in, including some people who sit on our investment committee, like, you know, Steve Weiss, who tweeted uh, earlier today, said, after FOMC Jerome Powell presser yesterday, I had the feeling that NASDAQ would have a big move today. Well, I was right on that, just wrong on the direction, <laughs> right? The, the Fed is not raising rates anytime soon. It's, it's not tapering anytime soon. And Powell was explicit yesterday that they're going to communicate far enough in advance that the stock market's going to understand what the Fed is doing. So I was going to ask you, is the stock market getting it all wrong by the way that tech especially is reacting today? And, and what's your answer to that? Well, my answer is I think it is getting it wrong in the sell-off that has occurred in technology because of higher interest rates. First off, the Fed gave you anything you want to sink your teeth into. You can hear them say they're not going to do anything with interest rates, which may mean that, in that interest rates go higher. You can also hear them say they're not that worried about inflation. They think it's transitory. I agree with that, by the way. So down the line later this year, maybe interest rates come back in a little bit. But I think the more important point is we've now had a very significant 
significant move in 10-year Treasury yields from about 0.75% four months ago to 1.75% now. That's a very big move. And my point is, I think the stock market has adjusted to it. Sure, maybe it goes to 2%, but you're so close right now that if you're holding off on buying technology stocks because you think interest rates are going higher, you've got to ask yourself, how, how much more legs does that story have? I don't think it has much more. And I look at large cap technology in particular, so Apple, Qualcomm, Facebook, Google, and I say these are very attractive, not just on relative valuations, but absolute valuations. Apple at 26 times earnings, 1.9 times peg ratio, I bought more of it today. Qualcomm, Scott, I bought some Qualcomm today, and you know, that has a peg ratio of 1.0. I'm gonna be very insulting and call both Apple and Qualcomm value stocks. Uh, you know, before this, I might have at least called them growth at a reasonable price. Now they're value stocks. I'm buying those babies. All right, here's the problem. Josh Brown. The bond market is clearly saying that despite what I just told you Powell said yesterday, that it either doesn't believe the Fed or it doesn't trust the Fed because the long end of the curve is basically saying not going to happen the way you want it to happen. You look at the dots, no rate hikes through 2023, 11 on hold through 2023. Really? Is that really going to work? I talked to a, a very notable hedge fund manager a little bit earlier. I, I wish I could reveal who it was. I'm afraid I cannot. Who said, quote, I don't need Emmett Doc Brown. And that's, a reference, that's a reference to the mad scientist from Back to the Future. I don't need Emmett Doc Brown running the Fed. That's why rates are moving up today, because they think it's one big giant science experiment that they think they're just going to let inflation run and they're going to keep it under control and they're not going to raise rates through 2023 and they're going to manage the whole thing. And the long end of the curve today is saying BS, not going to work. Uh, not, not, not to pour cold water all over this stuff, but let me make a couple of points that I think are, are worthy context <laughs> to all of this. The first is, when did the, the bond market ever trust the Fed? Can you pinpoint that moment in time uh, where the bond market thought the Fed would ever do anything right? I, I can't think of it. Um, there's this, there's this uh, idea that the bond market is smarter than the stock market. Well, stocks bottomed in April and accurately predicted this economic recovery. Bonds, uh, bond yields didn't bottom until August. So it took the bond market six months to figure out what uh, the equity market figured out. So. I'm not so sure that the bond market is, A, ever going to trust the Fed or take the Fed at its word, nor am I suggesting they should. This is like but open B, rebellion almost, the bond though, market Josh, necessarily will be right. It's like open rebellion, what though, say, on, on the Fed. The, after, after what the no, Fed said not. yesterday, right. so, that the bond market, the 10-year, so goes to 175 after that? Here's the big picture. Don't yeah. be the last person to jump on this uh, cyclical rotation. Like, don't buy it the last... Don't be the person that, that goes all in on this idea on the last day. Look at the charts of Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan. I'm in J.P. Morgan, full disclosure. Um, these stocks did nothing for like six years and then went vertical in the last six weeks. Uh, I think J.P. Morgan is up 50 straight points. And Goldman went from, I, I don't know, it might be up 40 or 50 percent uh, in the same period of time, maybe even more. Um, don't be the last person that throws out your... Uh, you know, throws out your Amazon to buy Goldman. Um, there's an old saying on the, uh, on the street, just when you think you've got the key to the market, they change the locks. 
And that's exactly the kind of thing that we could be set up to see right now. You could get a blow off top uh, in this move in rates, at least in the short term. Even if we end up at 2% later in the year, you could get a blow off top. You could see rates back at 1.5 in, in a heartbeat. And 10 or 15% will come off of all these financial stocks. Look at what's going on right now. Some of these moves, the KRE, which is regional banks, all-time high, not a 52-week not a high, all-time high, up another 4%. Mm-hmm. Bank of America's at a multi-year high, hasn't been at this level since 2008. Uh, and then you look at small versus large. Small, ca- small value versus large growth is at a 52-week high. Um, Dow is at a record high with the Qs down another 2%. So, uh, and, and Caterpillar and Dow, two more Dow components, look as absurd as Goldman and J.P. Morgan. Just vertical moves at the rate we're going kathy wood might might end up managing uh uh arc as, as a value uh etf and we might be screaming to break up caterpillar right so this level of parabolic move in such a short period of time should not be counted on to last and when it reverses and of course it will at some point it'll be equally ugly for the people that bought last so don't get too excited don't fall prey to this new narrative so easily um, because they will change the locks on you the moment you overreact. That, Kerry, is, is one side of the story, right? J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs accounting for like two-thirds of the Dow's gains today. This same person I spoke to, by the way, said yesterday and today that they're selling some of their high-growth technology stocks. We're talking like the 40, 50 multiple ones, um, not the fangs, but some of these other names mm-hmm. that have been hit lately because they, too, Um, maybe didn't expect the move that you're seeing in rates and don't trust that the Fed can keep rates under control for as long as it thinks it can and that it may get a little out of hand. They're a little nervous about where rates could go, and that's going to mean that these stocks sell down even further than they have. Off all-time highs, Amazon's down 13%, Apple's down 16%, Netflix is down 13%, and we're not really talking about those because those are the fangs. I just wanted to give you a, a read on what those are doing. We're talking more of the Teladocs, the Pelotons, the Rokus, the 38 39%, off of their highs, the Zooms, 45% off of their highs. I was going to come in today and say, isn't it now time to buy these stocks? Didn't the Fed just basically soothe all of your fears yesterday? So is now the time to buy these stocks? And clearly the bond market, because of its activity today, is saying, no, it's not. So uh, you've asked a couple of questions in there. Uh, The first, if the hedge fund manager you spoke to is just today starting to sell the stocks that are 20 times sales, it's a little late because those stocks peaked uh, either a month or a few months ago. And as you pointed out, many are down in the 30 to 40 percent range. Um, They have plenty of air left uh, beneath them. Some of them do because, uh, yes, they just got way too expensive. If you looked at the stocks, we've talked about this, selling at more than 14 times sales, that represented $5 trillion of market cap. And that would be 10 percent of all U.S. public companies, uh, that that is, you know, un, unheard of. And we just had vertical moves in so many names, you know, a hundred names selling at ten billion or more that were sort of like that. So I, I think there's there's air some of them, uh, but they will be attractive at a certain point, and some of them are starting to become attractive because they have earnings, real earnings now, and that earnings trajectory is going to grow. On the question of whether 
Facebook, Apple, Google are attractive now. You know, this is a market where we're really talking about the tale of three cities I've never seen, where the Dow, the S&P, and the Nasdaq trade in such disparity. And because we've had this enormous move of banks and industrials, the cyclical value play, airlines are selling for the 2019 prices when, you know, we haven't started the recovery. And if you think about an airline traffic being down last year, 80 percent, so so at 20 percent of uh, their 2019 level. And this year they uh, they have traffic go up 200 percent. You know, they're still down 40 percent from where they were in 2019. But stocks like uh, JetBlue and LUV, I mean, they're great companies, but they're trading at um, at levels that would suggest they're about to break the 2019 numbers. And that's not going to happen. So um, it's true. Can of we pull, can we pull up a chart? Also, they're above. Yeah. So the, the, the charts, the charts look parabolic and, you know, you can play the momentum as just Josh said, if you're the last person in, right. you know, you can be up there at the top where that chart turns around. We think that there's there is more value right now in some of the large technology companies. They're selling at multiples like Deer and Caterpillar. Uh, you know, we just talked about that right, and right, right. Caterpillar trades, you know, great company, huge, huge multiple compared to where it was. Um, you know, okay. a couple of years ago, even. Right. Josh, so, yeah, what, what I mean, charts do you want to pull be up? Buying Facebook. I'm sorry. Can we can can we pull up Google and Facebook? What tech wreck? What are you talk like? What are we talking about? These stocks are at all time record highs. Let's be very specific about where the carnage is. It's in Russell 1000 stocks that are not even in the S and P 500. It's in electric vehicle stocks that recently came public via SPAC, have no earnings, and we learned today no orders either, right? These stocks have no market cap. <laughs> Who cares? Ex-Tesla, no, there, there's no money in these names. They are spectacles. We talk about Zoom and Peloton, et cetera, et cetera. Those have market cap, but they're not in the index. They're, literally, they're who not cares? in the S&P. Either but who because cares they're too if they're not public, in the I don't understand. Who cares? A lot of people have invested in those trades, stocks. Who cares? But Who cares look what at the market cap. Google and fa- Google is a trillion dollar enterprise trading at record highs. Facebook is literally points away from a record high. The tech wreck is very specific, Judge. That's the point I'm trying to make. I get it. Well, I it's said not at the top. in the FANG stocks. Josh, I said we're not talking about the FANGs. Or early on, I said we're not talking about those stocks. We're talking about so the other high growth stocks. stocks the ones that a lot of people bought during the pandemic, whether I know people want to generalize and say, well, it's all retail, the, these new retail, this new retail cohort and the Robinhood traders, and they're the ones who are buying these stocks. And that's true. But a lot of other people bought the stocks, too, because we have people on the investment committee come in and say, yep, I bought more Peloton today and I'm damn proud of it because it's a new world and this is the way that everything's going to be. And I bought more Zoom today and I bought more Teladoc but these stocks are down like 30 or 40 percent from their highs. And the, part of the point is that if you thought that last week, if you thought that rates had topped out, Josh, so that these stocks were attractive again because they had come so far off their highs, the bond market activity today is suggesting that maybe we need to rethink that whole thing, Josh. That's the point. That's the point. I got you. And I agree with that I'd point. I don't in. remember a lot of people coming on and saying they're buying Teladoc 
they're buying Peloton. Maybe I wasn't on the show that day. I think when we think about tech, we're talking about the companies that actually are in the S&P and are meaningful in terms of market cap. And there really isn't a lot of wreckage there. That's the only point that I'm trying to make. I hear you. Okay. I, I hear you. Uh, John Ajarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I thought you wanted to get I'm in on guy. the conversation, um, Doc. I mean, what a, you know, you, were you listening? Oh. I always want to get in on the conversation. Um, that was called like I, I, I agree with both. Yeah, I agree with both of you, though, Scott. I agree with you that it's the teledocs and so forth, not the app. You know, Apple's down what? Five and a half, six percent. Um, you know, the, the fang stock. And I know you didn't say that the fang stocks were the ones being hit. I'm saying that if indeed we get that acceleration that continues next week to 185 and the week after that to 195, at the pace we're at right now, that kind of activity could drive people out of the market, drive them to the sidelines for a while. And uh, I know we just pushed out the tax payments into May 15th from April 15th. So that's a good thing, Scott, because otherwise, I think the people that get to the sidelines, if that sort of acceleration to 185, 195 in the 10-year, if that happened, and we had that looming tax date when you got to send Uncle Sam about a lot of money, I think that would also contribute to more pressure on the markets. Luckily, they have moved that out to May 15th, and hopefully, we don't see that move to 185, 195. If we do, Scott... It's like uh, the boxing phrase always went, um, you know, everybody has a plan until they get smacked in the face. Right. I believe it's Mike Tyson. Um, that plan will not work if we get smacked in the face at 185, 195 in the 10 Let me just ask you, let, let me ask you this, and I know we have to be, and Josh's point is well taken, that you, you have to be very selective in the, in the stocks that you talk about when discussing this, this issue. So, so, Jim, let, let's just take, for example, a, a PayPal. I, I'm just picking it out of a hat because there's a fair amount of ownership on the desk. And it may not be thought of in the same way of a, of a Teladoc or, or a Peloton. That stock is off 21% from its high. It's down 17% over the last month. If rates continue to move up, can you buy PayPal? That's the kind of conversation I want to have. Not yeah. And I love, once again, you're throwing the ball to where the receiver is going to be. Um, PayPal is something that I've looked at for weeks, if not months, and I just haven't been able to pull the trigger because of price. I look at it now, looked at it yesterday and said, is this the time? My answer is no. Um, and, and again, selectivity. Look at what's going on with the money center banks. That's where I want to be. It may be late in the trade, but it's not over. And PayPal, just to answer the question directly, those earnings, as you discount them back from the future to the present value, that valuation becomes very sensitive to even the slightest rise in interest rates. Um, I don't think we're done uh, with the interest rate move. I think we're close to the end, but I don't think we're done. So I don't want to go out and buy PayPal today. And I, I just I want to highlight the general point of specificity, which Josh did bring up. You have to be specific. Apple is a buy right now. Google is close to its all-time high. I don't feel that way. You know, GM right now, I don't really want to go buy more GM, but something like Northrop Grumman or the defense stocks in general that have gone nowhere for three years, I want to buy those hand over fist. New money comes in today. I'm buying Northrop Grumman. So, I'm not buying GM. You have to be specific. Josh, PayPal specifically, because I think you own it. Do you agree with, with Jim? 
Or is that one of the names you, you should buy today? Because it's gotten caught up. Well, it's got caught up, uh, to, to, to speak uh, proper uh, English. It's gotten caught up <laughs> with some of these other stocks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just look, I, I, I look at I look at things through a longer term lens than February 16th through now. So it the stock spent all of 15 minutes above 300, like literally go look at just go look at a daily chart. It's not as though this was a stock that was being valued at 300 for months and months. And all of a sudden the bottom fell out. It was trading at the price it is today. It had a momentary spike because of how amazing their earnings report was. And just as quickly as it got there, it gave it all back up. Um, over five years, the stock is annualizing at 45% a year. It's one of the biggest winners anyone on this panel has ever seen. The question becomes, from today's price, can I expect high returns? And is this the type of stock that will work if rates work their way up toward 2% between now and the end of this year? I think it can. I think it's unique among a lot of the growth names that we talk about because it has earnings, has booming revenue growth, and has the kind of network effects where the profitability one year out, three years out, are going to surprise people like Jim, thinking that the world is static and that the money center banks will matter as much in three years as they matter today, and they will not, spoiler alert. So yes, I think PayPal is a name that you can buy here. You're obviously not buying it cheap, but ask yourself why. Why does PayPal sell 10 times revenue? Is there any reason or is it just a fluke? It's not a fluke. This company is going to take over large portions of the U.S. banking business, the global banking business, from incumbents like Citigroup that people uh, like Jim think are cheap. They won't turn out to be that cheap, and PayPal won't turn out to be that expensive with the passage of enough time. So I'm in PayPal. I own it with a one handle. If it gets anywhere near there in a continued tech wreck, that's exactly the kind of name that I would be adding to, even though it would be an average up. Yeah. Look, I mean, there are some things, Carrie, and, and maybe this is is one of the, the prime ones that got caught in the wash, right, with a lot of stocks that needed to, to get cleaned up a little bit. And this one found its way in there. And now it's pretty attractive. As Josh said, you're a big holder of PayPal. Yeah, PayPal is one of our biggest uh, holdings and has been for years. And if you think about what people are going to do with their $1,400 stimulus check, I think they're going to spend money. And a lot of them are going to spend that money using PayPal or Venmo. So it's not as if this is a company that has slowed its growth and it was just during COVID. That growth was accelerated and brought forward and it will continue at the rates that people had expected because PayPal is here to stay and they're an innovator. And this is where transactions are going over time. So, yeah, I mean, it got a little ahead of itself and that happens with growth companies. Um, it, it happens all the time with growth companies. And you can look at the history of, of Amazon or Google or Facebook, you know, any of them go go back to, you know, Cisco in the, um, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, they get ahead of themselves and people are enthusiastic. And then there's some reason where they correct. And so, you know, PayPal is having a correction. But I wouldn't sell it because if you sell it, how do you know when to get back in? And that's yeah, right. always a very tough choice. Plus, people have to pay taxes on the gains. That so, goes to the, you know, I, I would agree with, with Josh. That goes to the sort of own it don't, hold it, don't trade it kind of mantra that Kramer always talks about, at least you know, as it relates to Apple. But maybe it has wider spread meaning as well. Let's bring in our headliner today. Sonal Desai is the chief investment officer with Franklin Templeton's Fixed Income Group. It's good to see you today. Welcome to our program. 
Thank you so much for inviting me. So, so what's happening, do you think, in the market today? Is, is the bond market overreacting to what, what the Fed said yesterday? Or is the Nasdaq overreacting to what it thinks the Fed is going to do or, or can do? So, you know, the interesting thing, I've been listening to your experts, uh, and I actually have a slightly different view in that I don't think this is the bond market believing that the Fed can't stay on hold. This is a different different loss of credibility. This is the bond market thinking the Fed is going to remain on hold, but we are going to get more inflation than they think. Because they're looking, look, by the end of this year, they're telling us they think that unemployment is going to be at four and a half percent. Growth, we're going to be up in the sixes. This is the Fed. I think it's going to be even higher. But somehow, next year, it's all going to be fine. Growth will calm down. The unemployment rate won't continue to plummet, and inflation will calm down as well. I think, actually, this is a different loss of credibility. This is the bond market saying that the Fed will do what the Fed needs to do, but long-term rates, and the Fed can anchor the short end. What it can do at the long end is going to be far more interesting if the market decides that, in fact, it's inflation that is coming back into the forefront. We're assuming, as you say that, though, that if inflation rises, that the Fed can stay on hold. I mean, the Fed may want to stay on hold, but I think you could make a credible argument today that the bond market is is questioning that. I Well, I think that's the interesting point, isn't it? The bond market is either questioning whether the Fed will remain on hold or it's questioning whether inflation is act. If the Fed does remain on hold, like they promised us they're going to do, that inflation is going to be a lot higher. Keep in mind, every time we talk about average inflation targeting, well, yeah, it's been 10 years, right, that inflation has been just about a little below target. So are we, is this the Fed setting us up for a protracted period of inflation? For the longest time, the only thing anybody in the bond market has been talking about is deflation. I never bought it over the last 10 years. I'm certainly not buying it now. I do think this is the bond market coming to terms with the fact that inflation might be happening and it might be coming because the Fed is assuring us that they can live with inflation. And that to me means you get curve steepening. Now, I'm not going to talk about whether the Nasdaq's right or wrong in this picture, but I look at where the bond market is. I just know at the beginning of the year, I spoke to Barron's and for me, it was two, two and a half. That was when rates were at around 92 basis points. I thought we could go significantly higher. I actually do think we can go higher. I'm not saying it's happening in a day. Certainly these types of moves are dramatic and I don't think it's going to be week after week. But a slow grind upwards, uh, we do have to think that is a real possibility. Sure. Uh, that, that's the key. That's the key, yeah. I think, at the end of the day, yeah. the, the speed. Sunil, thank you so much. Sunil Desai, Franklin welcome. Templeton, joining us today. We'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Coming up, we have a bullish call out on Intel today. Shares are up 30% this year. We're going to debate that, the rest of the semi-stocks as well. Dr. J's got unusual activity still to come as well. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, 
helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we're back. Let's get to Kayla Talshi. She has some breaking news right now on travel restrictions. Hi, Kayla. Hey, Scott, we've learned the Biden administration is eyeing mid-May as a potentially suitable time frame to begin relaxing restrictions on non-essential travel, both at the land borders with Mexico and Canada and for inbound international travelers coming in from the UK, Europe and Brazil. This according to two sources familiar with the matter. Just this morning, the Department of Homeland Security renewed for one more month uh, the ban on land crossings with Canada and Mexico until April 21st. So they're taking that on a month by month basis as they grapple with the COVID situations both in Mexico and Canada and the influx of migration coming in from Mexico. We've also learned that Canada has raised concerns about the accessibility for its population to get vaccines and that Prime Minister Trudeau uh, has stressed that he does not want more travel to happen before that population can get vaccinated. So for land crossings with Canada and Mexico, they're taking that on a month by month basis. International travel by air, I'm told the inner Agency committees working on that are taking it on a week-by-week basis. The public health officials have raised concerns about the spread of potential uh, variants uh, in communities that are reopening very quickly, while economic and other officials have suggested that because international travelers must test negative before they get on a plane, uh, that the risk is low, but that they've agreed to table that conversation and revisit it on a week-by-week basis. The White House did not respond to a request for comment before we went on the air. Officials in Canada and Mexico have also declined to comment on this front. Uh, but according to a senior administration official I spoke to today, Scott, there will be a sea change in this policy beginning in mid-May when vaccines for U.S. citizens are more widely available and the administration feels more comfortable uh, relaxing some of these restrictions. Scott? Yeah, Kayla, good scoop uh, from you. Thank you for bringing it to us. And you can see those stocks are on the move. Uh, John Najarian, you own the Jets ETF. I do, Scott. Um, We had unusual activity in that one, um, along with a number of airlines, most notably Alaska Airlines and uh, United Airlines. So, yeah, uh, happy to see it moving a little higher today and intend on holding it. Jim Labenthal, Alaska, maybe not getting as big of a spike as some of these others, uh, but that's the one you own. It is. um, And it's my combination of safety within what is arguably a speculative area um, because its balance sheet is just so much better. But I think the speculative nature of this actually decreases over time. Kerry was mentioning comparing it to 2019 uh, valuation metrics or rather income levels. 
I don't think that's wrong. I think we are looking at, when you get to the back half of this year, you take the permanent cost cuts that have been made, you take inflation and airline tickets that's likely to come, you're going to have a very profitable airline industry when you annualize the second half of this year. Josh, Tripp, and Expedia, I know you like those names. To the best of my knowledge, you don't, you don't own them yet, but I know you've been watching those. And by the way, since we're having this conversation, too, New York City's talking about concerts coming back. I think it was April 1st is what they said. Live Nation was a spike on that, yes. which you've talked about, Josh, specifically on this show, along with Madison Square Garden. You can hit all of these kinds of stocks. They all sort of play into the same thing. Dude, Governor Cuomo needs a distraction. I'm surprised he's not announcing gladiator <laughs> fights in the Coliseum at this point. Um, but, yeah, we should, we should get concerts back. I also would like to see a baseball game in person before I die. So these are all good things. Live Nation, I'm long. <laughs> Expedia, I'm a schmuck because I've been saying it's a buy since 160, and I'm still watching it. And I really like TripAdvisor's story. They're doing something very innovative. They're trying to build the Netflix of travel with this new subscription service where members are going to get access to all kinds of discounts on flights, on um, hotels. I don't know the details, and I don't own it yet. But those are two names. If there's a pullback in travel because, like, the South African strain appears somewhere or whatever. Like those would be the names that I reach for before the airlines. Although I, I do agree with what Jim had to say uh, on the airlines. I think they're going to be, it's shocking, but I think they're going to be in a position of serious pricing power this fall. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I mean, you can already see some of the price inflation that you've gotten uh, from, from some of the airlines. What about the retail stocks, right? I mean, it's, you know, okay, it's not a travel-related thing, but nonetheless... These stocks have ripped. Simon. They've ripped. Simon, listen to me. Listen to me. Buy Simon Property Group. It's 116. Uh, the, the all-time high is more than 100% uh, higher than this level. In What they've been doing, what they've spent the pandemic doing, is completely reflating their liquidity. They have access to $10 billion if they need it in the form of cash and, and revolvers, etc., um, they've reduced the cost of their debt. They've restructured. Uh, and in addition, they've bought out a lot of the ailing retailers that were occupying their stores. And keep in mind, Simon's not B and C malls. It's A malls that aren't going anywhere. And not only is it a play on retail because they're turning these chains around, um, but in addition, it's a play on the suburbanization of America. And all these people that left the cities and bought houses in the suburbs, they don't just move back after they get their second round of the Moderna shot. Like, they have changed their lives, and Simon is right in the wheelhouse of the place where people will go to spend. I don't think these are just retail. I think these malls are the town squares of America, and I think this stock has serious upside as a reopening play in addition to just being like a play on, you know, in-person retail. So yeah. I really like SPG. And while you wait for my vision to play out, they're paying you... Four and a half percent dividend yield. Yep, seeing that stock get a nice lift uh, as we're talking about it. All right, up next, John has unusual activity. Plus, March is Women's History Month, and we're spotlighting some of our CNBC contributors. Here is Requisite Capital's managing partner, Bryn Talkington, with advice from some famous Texas women. Ann Richards, former governor of Texas, used to say in a crowded room that Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did. She just did it backwards and in high heels. Beyonce, she always says, never let success go to your head. And more importantly, never let the failures go to your heart. And finally, some dime store advice from me, work smarter, not harder. Most important, 
Believe in yourself, because if you believe, you will be believed. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update. We do want to warn you that the images in this first story may be disturbing to some. The FBI has released new video of the Capitol Hill riot and is asking for help identifying 10 people that it says were involved in violent attacks on Capitol Hill police officers. So far, 65 people have been arrested for assaulting law enforcement officers during the riot. An Indianapolis man has been charged with four counts of murder in the killing spree of three adults and a child. Police say that the suspect was arguing with his girlfriend because he wanted a share of her stimulus money. The European Union's drug regulator says that AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine is safe and effective and that the benefits of using it do outweigh the risks. The European Medical Agency says that it found no evidence of increased blood clots among vaccine recipients. And Americans drove 11 percent fewer miles in January than they did in the same month last year. However, miles driven rose about 1 percent from December levels on a seasonally adjusted basis. Scott, I'll send it back to you. All right. Appreciate it. Rahel, thank you. All right. It's time for unusual activity. Dr. J, John Najarian, what do you got for us today? Well, Scott, uh, one of the ways, as I said, that I sort of insulate myself a little, the portfolio uh, from rates going higher is owning banks. I also own the TLT puts, and I've owned those since the index, that ETF was about 157. I added to that today, Scott, because they came in in big numbers, bought about 15,000 of the April 1st expiration 133 puts. That was with that index at 133.64. So in other words, a little more push to the downside for those uh, TLTs, which means rates a little bit higher. Second trade, Scott, take a look at PEG Seguro, P-A-G-S. This is uh, microfinancing and uh, they help out small businesses. They're out of Brazil. This is a 18% decline over the last month. They came in betting that by September, this one sees much higher numbers. They were buying the September 55 calls with this one at about $48 this morning. Lastly, Nike. Um, Prashant asked me to take a look at Nike. We've had two very large trades in here over the past 10 days. Both of them are now deep in the money, Scott, because they were buying with the uh, Nike at 136. They were buying the 140 calls, the 145 calls. But that's about as high as they've gone. They haven't really extended a lot higher, even though Telsey has a 175 target. Uh, KeyBank has a 180 target. But all good news for Nike. It's moved up from 136 to 145 over the past week. All right. Good stuff, Doc. Thank you. Up next, Ask Halftime. Send your questions by video. We'll play them on the air. Email us. Ask Halftime at CNBC.com. Plus, the CNBC Inclusion Forum examines strategies and initiatives for organizations to create equity for all. And that begins today, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can register now, cnbcevents.com slash inclusion. We're back after this quick break. All right, let's answer your questions now. First up, Farmer Jim, it is a question for you. I bought some Cisco lately. I really don't like it this high only because I don't like it this high. Do you still own it? (laughs) 
I don't still own it. Um, here's my comment on Cisco. The last five years, its forward multiple has been between 12 and a half and 17 and a half. Right now, the forward multiple is 15. You're not going to get much from Cisco. You don't see big earnings growth here. You're not going to get an earnings multiple expansion. So maybe you get a few percentage points a year in price appreciation and the 3% dividend yield. But that's it. This is not the tech darling of 20 years ago. This is about, this is kind of like Verizon, almost like a utility in your portfolio. It dampens volatility. If you want it for that, go ahead. But it doesn't excite me. Okay, Josh Brown, a video question for you. Let's watch and we can answer on the other side. How's it going? My name is Brandon Bonomo from Long Island, New York. And my question is for Josh Brown regarding restoration hardware. Can their momentum continue despite their recent run up since the home building and home improvement trends remain so strong? Thanks. All right. Good question, Josh. What's the answer for Brandon? That's a great question. Thanks, Brandon. I like the stock. I think it's going higher. Warren Buffett just added to his position by 41 percent. We found out in the fourth quarter, we found out uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, you can see why. This company uh, is basically growing its cash flow year over year by about 40%. They are one of the defining companies in terms of experiential retail. You go to their stores, which we'll be able to do pretty soon, and there are cafes. There's just like a very high-level uh, furniture and home furnishings. And now they're getting into two other areas. They're going to do residences. Like literally, they're going to be in, in the home business. Uh, and they're going to do hotels. And I just think this brand has a ton of potential. So if you're long, I would stay long and has a lot of tailwinds at its back. Nice gain today, better than 6%. All right, Dr. J, have a video question for you now. Hilly from Atlanta. John, we love you. Our bank account loves you. You mentioned a few weeks ago about Vail. The numbers are looking good. They're up. What do you think about it now? All right, Doc, looks like you're making some money well, uh, for, for Hilly in, in Georgia. What's yeah. the answer now? I'm delighted for you, Hilly, and thank you for that shout. Um, I like it, and I think this one obviously is a play for infrastructure, Scott. Um, so what I'm looking for is uh, that bill is going to take several months to work its way through. So either if you own the stock, I would be writing calls in the short term, meaning the next two or three months. And if you own the calls further out, I would be selling short term calls because then you can capture that time decay because I think it takes at least three months before we can get to a, an infrastructure bill. And I think that'll really spike Freeport, Vale, uh, Semex, a whole bunch of the infrastructure plays. All right, Doc, thank you for that. Uh, Carrie, lastly to you, Rushy in thank San Francisco. You. What should we expect from Netflix over the summer? Is it going to endure competition from Disney? I mean, that's where the battle is, right? Well, I'm not sure that I can pinpoint what happens this summer, but we know that Netflix has treaded water for eight months now. I mean, the stock is totally flat if you look at the chart. Uh, Disney stock's up 127% year over year, so it's outperformed. Uh, Netflix is the leader in streaming and will remain the leader in content development. Uh, there can be two players. There are always going to be two. Netflix is the leader and Disney is obviously going to be the number two in the space. If you look out two years, 
the price to earnings multiple of both companies is 30 times in 2023. And so we think that Netflix has an opportunity to start to outperform, which it hasn't as the reopening play. And Disney is both a reopening play and it was a stay at home play. So it had the best of both worlds. And it makes sense that it's outperformed recently. But we think that Netflix can come back and can start to be a strong stock again. Okay. Oil prices are falling for the fifth straight day. We'll find out how the futures traders are playing that move, and we'll do it next. It's time for the futures outlook. Crude oil getting crushed. Let's bring in Brian Stutland for the trade there. I mean, this is not that complicated, right? Inflation expectations up, rates up, dollar up, oil down. Is that how it's going to stay now for a little bit? (laughs) It it might. I mean, look at that. The, the trade has been in the past to play oil. When we got the announcement uh, by Moderna and Pfizer on the phase three success of their trials, oil really took off in this up channel. And like you mentioned now, we have these other factors now adding headwinds to it. And I think oil got a little ahead of itself, um, Scott, when, when we saw it sort of jump a few weeks ago. But then the Saudis, you know, by the Saudis saying basically we're not going to increase supply. That doesn't mean the Russians aren't or the U.S. producers aren't going to increase supply. So now I think we're seeing it sell off along with these other factors you just mentioned. And if I'm long energy names, which I've added to in our portfolio and our mutual fund, I've added to energy, but maybe I don't want to sell, sell those names and have a taxable event. So instead, what I'd like to do is play the futures market here in oil. I can short a crude oil future looking at around 6180. I think that's a good level to sort of get into the downside with the target of 60. I think we're, it looks like we're going to trend back towards that level on the downside. And if we rip back to the high side, I have a stop. I take myself out of this trade at 63.20. So I'm basically risking 1,400 to make 1,800. Kind of hedges my energy risk if I've had that on in my portfolio or if you want to just take a short bet. I think the channel is still to the upside here, Scott. So I'm not ready to get out just yet. But but this is a great way to play to the short side. Take a little profit off the table after a huge run. All right, Stutz, appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Brian Stutland, we have final trades coming up next. Folks, let's do final trades if we could. Carrie, you're up first. Uh, Schwab. Uh, We think they benefit from higher interest rates. The stock's been a good one. We think it can go higher and integrate the TD America trade purchase. Okay. Farmer Jim? Uh, The defense stocks, as I mentioned earlier, have been really left behind. Northrop Grumman is my top pick because that's where incremental defense spending is going to go. Okay. Doc? Jim had me at spending, Scott. Um, MasterCard, we see unusual activity in this name. I bought it during the show. Obviously, some of those stimulus dollars are going to be pouring through this plastic card. All right. Josh Brown? People are finding out it's difficult to actually mass produce electric vehicles, and the money continues to gravitate to the company that can, which is General Motors, staying long. All right. Good stuff. Thank you. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind. 
just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.